We've been looking at this series, and we've left the children of Israel wandering in the wilderness. They were there 40 years, a few weeks won't hurt. <laughs> and we're going, we've gone to thinking about not that end of when the nation of Israel started coming out of Egypt, but to when the nation of Israel will finish. And it's very close. It could be in our day. But we've looked at some tills. We've seen four tills or untills. We're looking at, Lord willing, the fifth one today. We've looked at the till of dispersion. The nation of Israel has been dispersed from that time that they rejected the Lord and the Lord scattered them throughout all the nations of the world. You'll find them all over the place, even today. They're in dispersion, but they do have a nation back there that started about 80 years ago. And they're moving back there. But, so that's, that's an indication that time's up. I, the Lord said, I will go return to my place till they acknowledge their offence. And they haven't done that yet. They've offended God in going into adultery, idolatry, adultery, spiritually speaking, and also crucifying their Messiah. The second till was a till of desolation. And that's found in Matthew twenty-three thirty-seven. Ye shall not see me henceforth till ye say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And so they're going to be desolated, and the Jews have had that happen to them for two and a half millennia, two and a half thousand years. They've been desolate. Wherever they go, they, they rise to power, they get influence, and then the country they're in stamps down on them. And that's what the Holocaust was about back in there in the Second World War desolation and the great desolations to come still upon Israel two-thirds of them yet are going to be killed one day as it says in the Bible very clearly the until the third until was the until of domination the Gentiles will dominate them and dominate Israel and Jerusalem particularly until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled and the Gentiles still have some say in what happens particularly on the Temple Mount. And that's the Jordanians that have jurisdiction over that area, even today. Things are changing. The new, what is it, the United Arab Emirates and the peace deal made with them, and in that's been written that the Jews might be allowed on the Temple Mount but not at the Alaska Mosque or the Mosque of Omar. With a golden dome there, but allowed all, all over the rest of it. There's acres, there's about 35 acres up there. Now we go to the until of the completion of the church. And Brother Tony read that in the last verse that he read in chapter 11 of Romans. We read, For I would not, brethren, and he's talking to Christians now, Paul, talking to Christians, and this is the book to the Romans. These are Gentiles. Hey, what distinctions are there? There are Gentiles and there are Jews. What are most of us? We are Gentiles. And if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. And he's saying, for I would not, brethren, Romans, Gentiles, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery. There's a mystery here that God's revealed to us. Lest ye be wise in your own conceits. As a church or as churches, we could be conceited about our position and we'll consider that that blindness in part is happened to Israel. They're blind in part. They're not totally blind. 
They have a mind for God, don't they? You have a look over there. <laughs> There's 20% of them that are very zealous for God, but not according to the scripture. They're going about it their own way. They're spiritually blind to the Lord Jesus. And if they don't have faith in the Lord, the Lord Jesus, their Messiah, they aren't saved, although they're very religious people, those Orthodox folks. But blindness in part has happened to them until, you see, this, this word, the, the use of the word until, and as we've been looking at it in many different verses, in different contexts, we begin to realise that it's a qualifier. You know, I will not come to your house until a certain time or until I finish this or until I do that. And, and so it's a qualifier. And with, in every context we've seen it, it's a qualifier. Until this happens, that won't happen. And here, we, again, it's used in that way. Until the fullness of the Gentiles come in, then Israel is going to be blinded. And uh, it, Andrew, in, Andrew, our missionary in Israel, is not ignorant of this fact. <laughs> He's ministering to a nation that's what? Blinded. They can't see. Though it's right in front of their face, they can't see it. And so he, he's not ignorant of that fact, but he knows one day the seed that's been sown, the veil will be taken off, and they'll say, ah, we see. What a, what a day. That's what this chapter's about. What a day it'll be when the veil is taken off. Until the fullness. Now, this is speaking to us. Until the fullness of the Gentiles. What is the fullness of the Gentiles? Church, good. I heard a Yep, it's the church. And that means there's a certain number that the Lord knows are going to become Christians during the church age. And when that number's complete, that's it. It's finished. And if you're not a Christian, you're going to get in bo on board <laughs> because we're so close to the fullness of the Gentiles. <laughs> and one day... A person is going to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. They won't know about doctrine. They won't know about the truths of the New Testament. Uh, and they'll believe and instantly they'll be taken out of here with everybody else that's a Christian. <laughs> they'll be getting to heaven shaking their head. Well, what, what just happened? <laughs> I just believed on the Lord Jesus and now I'm in heaven. One day it'll happen to somebody. But it's not you if you're a Christian now <laughs> because you're aware of what the Lord is going to do one day for his church. When the fullness of the Gentiles come in, until that time, Israel will be blinded and then it'll happen. And it'll happen. How, quick will it, how quickly will that occasion happen? It tells us in the Bible, in the, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. And it's not the blinking that takes time. It's the, the vibrations of the eye. It could be put like this. In the atom of a second... The church is going to be taken when the last one gets saved. So, if that's going to be the case, what should we be doing as a church? Reaching out to people. Reaching people who are lost so that they get in the church. They're part of the fullness of the Gentiles. They're part of the body of Christ. And the church is failing to teach this everywhere. And that's a shame. So, <clears throat> let's get into the... Word here in, first, in chapter 11, 
of the book of Romans, chapter 11. And we'll pray before we look at the details. Thank you, Lord, for the word. Lord, what a blessing it is to understand it. It is plainly written. We don't have to argue with you or try to rest the scriptures or make it mean something that it doesn't. We just read it, comprehend and understand. And what a blessing it is to be part of the church, part of the bride of Christ, receiving all the promises and and, and partaking of the root and fatness of the olive tree. That is, Israel, it's... uh, bore the brunt of receiving the word and being persecuted through the Old and New Testament. Lord, we have the great blessings that flow to us from that nation being faithful as far as they were. Lord, bless the ministry of the word today, and if there's someone here not saved, may today be the day of their salvation. Believe that Jesus Christ died for their sins, bore in his own body on the cross the suffering for their sins. Repent of their sin and be saved by trusting in the Lord Jesus. Bless salvation with salvation today in someone here or listening in, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Back to Romans 11. In this chapter, Paul concludes a parenthesis. He's been really getting into doctrine up to chapter, the end of chapter 8 of the book of Romans. Then chapter 9, chapter 10, and chapter 11 is a parenthesis where he speaks about the Jewish people. What about the Jewish people? Gentiles would be asking that question in his day. What's happened to the Jewish nation? He's been trying to show them that God has not forsaken them. In verse 1 of 10, Brethren, he said, My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Our prayer, I pray it's your prayer that the Jewish people might get saved, might recognize their Messiah, the Lord Jesus. Uh, God has simply postponed them. He hasn't forsaken them totally. His work on their behalf is at a future time. It's planned for that. It is God's plan to finish what he has started in regard to the Jew in the area of his promises to them. His covenanted promises to them. He's made covenants with Israel that he hasn't fulfilled. He will do it. It's only been postponed. These verses in chapter 11 are an explanation of what God is doing in the arena of salvation in this present time, in the church age. Here we learn that God has a plan for the Jew and that is a plan for you. So there's both of it, a plan for the Gentiles and a plan for the Jew that's written in these verses here. Some may have read the book of Romans up to the end of chapter 8 and uh, conclude there's no salvation for the Jew. But that shows that is utter foolishness to have that viewpoint. There is a plan for the Jew and it's all revealed in this chapter. He teaches us that God has a plan and that he will complete the plan. You see, because we only live for 70 years, that's the promise, or a little bit longer, or a little bit shorter... Sometimes we, we get a narrow view of what the Bible's talking about, but let's look at the big picture from Genesis to Revelation. And you get it all in, you comprehend what God is about and what he's doing. And it seems to us, because we only live that long, that God's moving slow. We just want to crank it up a bit. You know, come on, get to it. Uh, uh, concluding this message will be harvest time. 
the fullness of the Gentiles. That's harvest time. And uh, God's going to crank it up one day. And when he starts cranking the handle, when he gets the, the header out, Brother Chris, when God gets his spiritual header out, you may have already started dusting yours off for the harvest. No? Yep. <laughs> oh, there's only one. I'm picking on one farmer today because the others aren't here. <laughs> but, you know, it's like God has got his air compressor out up, up there in heaven and he's blowing all the dust out and making sure the tank's you know, the oil's changed, the fuel tank's full of diesel and it's ready to go. And the tank is full of diesel too because you use a lot more than one tank. <laughs> and uh, he's ready to come down and take the fullness of the Gentiles home. Harvest time's here, almost. Not far away at all. Are we ready to go? <laughs> well... It's a foolish viewpoint to say that God's not going to deal with the Jew because after the fullness of the Gentiles have gone, taken to heaven, then he starts working with them. It might seem like a long time to us, but to God, like 1,000 years is a day in God's sight. That's what it says in Scripture. It's not a long time. God's plan here requires the grace of God. Verses 1 to 10 of chapter 11. We see he's saving grace. The issue is given in verse 1. I say then, hath God cast away his people? He's talking about Jewish people. That's what he's been his subject for the last two chapters. And Paul said, God forbid. He said, I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. I am a Jew. I'm a saved Jew. I'm a Christian Jew. (laughs) God has not cast away and written off his people, the Jews. There are still Jews being saved today. Isn't that true? Few and far between, but they are being saved. He hasn't condemned them to hell. It's not impossible for them to be saved. I'm saved, said Paul. So the issue is there in the illustration. To prove it, he draws attention to himself there. And Romans 10.13 says, For whosoever, Jew, Gentile, you know, Greek, barbarian, as in other scriptures it reads, shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. Doesn't make any difference today. Jew or Gentile, we all can be saved. And Paul used himself as an illustration of that. And that's God's saving grace. He talked about himself. Paul was a part of the Israel of God, as Galatians 6.16 speaks about. He's a saved Jew. We see God's selecting grace in the next uh, nine verses, verse 2 to 10. Paul draws attention to, to, of his readers to an event in the past and to God's present work around them to show them God's grace in action. God's past selection, verses 2 to 4, we read, God hath not cast away his people whom he foreknew. And he's talking about the Jewish nation. What? Ye not that the scripture saith of Elijah, how that he maketh intercession to God against Israel. He said, ah, everyone's forsaken. I'm the only one, said Elijah. (laughs) I'm the only one left that's true to the word of God. They, he said, Lord, Elijah said, Lord, they have killed the prophets. They have digged down thine altars and I am left alone and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God to Elijah, to him? I have reserved for myself what? 
7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. So Elijah, Christian today, church today, God has other people that we don't know about that's doing his work and are sticking to the truth. And they're all over the world. Praise God for that. And I've talked to Andrew about this in Israel. You know, there, there are other people in Israel trying to share the word of God and get the word out. But not like Andrew does it. <laughs> He's out there doing it. And uh, you see, no other missionary in Israel can do what he does because if you're of a different nationality and you're a missionary in Israel, it's forbidden to proselyte. You're not allowed to do it. But because Andrew is a Jew and a, a citizen of Israel, he's allowed to do it. He's one of them. They're trying to stop him, of course, of all, and using all sorts of things to try and stop him, but they still can't stop him legally, legally speaking. And like the Attorney General said of Israel about Andrew, he's allowed to do it. We are religiously free in our country. And so we have a great privilege I don't think you as a church, we as a church, realise how privileged we are to have a missionary in Israel from Australia who can do what he's doing and pray. As he, he rung this week and said, pray, because they're trying to stop the distributors distributing the, the leaflets. They're actually chasing them down the streets. And when they put it in a letterbox, they're coming behind them and pulling it out of the letterbox. That's how desperate they are to stop the message getting out. They know there's a power in that message that's being delivered to them about the resurrection of the Lord. Pray it continues. We, we read on here. We see God's present selection. We see his past selection. Back in Elijah's day, there were Christians around or believing people around, believing Jews that Elijah didn't know about. I've got 7,000 men that haven't bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Even so, now we come to the present time. Even so, at this present time in the church... There is a remnant, that's a small group, a remnant, according to the election of grace. There is a small amount of Jewish people still becoming Christians. Praise God. There's still some people getting saved amongst them. And if by grace, because we live in the day of grace, that's the church, the day of grace. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more of grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. Did you get confused reading that? <laughs> Read it slowly and again and over and over until you get it. It can't be a mixture of grace and works. You see, what the Jewish people were trying to do is mix salvation by grace in the Lord Jesus with the works of the law of the Old Testament and mix both and then you get salvation. No, <laughs> it's either of grace or it's of works. And they were so used of the works thing the law, the Ten Commandments. You know, I'm not saying we ought to break the law because we're Christians and we live under grace. No, not to do it. Paul said, God forbid to do that. But you get saved either by grace, but you can't get saved by works. It's one or the other, make your choice. And a lot of people in churches today think by doing this or by doing that or by doing the other, you get to heaven. And what does God say? God forbid. You cannot work your way to heaven. That's an affront to God. That's an affront to the sacrifice of the, his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus, to think that you can work your way to heaven. You can't. The Jews tried. And that was the works of their own righteousness. 
And all our righteousness, the Bible said, is, is as filthy rags. And churches everywhere are teaching, do this good thing, do that, pray to this and pray to that, and buy indulgences and all the different churches. It's by grace alone. What does it say in Ephesians? For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Just receive the gift. That's not doing anything. That's just receiving something you, we don't deserve, but it's salvation. You know, and, and works can include even baptism. You know, Baptists could be accused of that. Well, you know, you get them baptised and therefore they're in. No, no, no. They get baptised because they are in. <laughs> they're already saved. Then they get baptised just to identify with the Lord Jesus and say, I am one of yours. And uh, that's a public admission that I'm a Christian. And in some countries and cultures, that is a dangerous thing to do. It can be a deadly thing to do to get baptised because the people know that he's for real. She's for real. They are confessing the Lord. So presently, there's an election according <clears throat> to the selection of grace. We read there in verse 5 as we have, Even so then at this present time there is a remnant according to the election of grace. There's that word election. Remember 1 Peter 1, 2, elected according to the knowledge of God. God knew that we'd get saved when we heard the message. He therefore could put his stamp that one's mine. Okay? And so recognize that fact. Compare scripture with scripture. And if by grace, well, we've read that verse, verse 7. What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber. This is Jewish people. They're spiritually slumbering. That's sleeping. Eyes that they cannot see. Ears that they cannot hear, even unto this day and even to today. Not only when Paul wrote it, but right up till today. David saith, let their table be a snare and a trap and a stumbling block. That is their religious system and a and a recompense unto them let their eyes be darkened that they may not see and bow down their back always now this one's just for andrew andrew don't be discouraged <laughs> keep doing it this is what the bible said they're going to be blind they're going to be snared they're going to be spiritually blinded by their own religion and uh, it tells us about that in corinthians but keep sharing the message one day the blindness will be removed. And, and what a day it'll be. What a day it'll be. Paul said, <clears throat> he is with the apostle of the Gentiles. He is a saved Jew. And uh, we look forward to the day when they are brought back to a relationship with the Lord. Now, at the present time, and that includes when the New Testament was written, on Peter's first sermon, how many got saved? Can you remember? Back in the book of Acts, chapter 2, just at Pentecost there. 3,000. <laughs> All Jews. That was at Pentecost. <laughs> Ye men of Israel, it says, <laughs> devout Jews from every nation that come there to assemble themselves at the Feast of Pentecost, and they got saved when preached. Peter preached. So there's still Jews getting saved back then 
and there are today. In his second sermon, 4,000 men believed in chapter 4 and verse 4 of Acts. And he called them men of Israel. They were Jewish people. That, yep, that was getting saved. So presently, Paul said, I'm a Jew, I'm saved. Multitudes have been saved. Thousands have been saved at Pentecost. 500 brethren at once saw the Lord elected according to the knowledge of God. So Paul's point in these verses, verses 5 to 10, is that those who want to be saved can be saved, while those who do not get saved by grace are abandoned to their choice by God and suffer the consequences of choosing not to be saved. For us who are Gentiles, the message in this election of this passage is that if we are saved, it's because of the grace of God. If a Jew is saved, it's because of the grace of God. It's not deeds, it's not birth, it's not works. It's not because I was born into a Baptist family and I wasn't. I was born into a, fa- a farming family. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't born a Christian. You can't get born a Christian. You can get born again as a Christian. You can't get born as a Christian. Uh, Dad and mum are Christians, you know, riding on their coattails to heaven. No, you're not. <laughs> you won't get there. <laughs> you have to sometime in your life get to the point, I'm a sinner and I need salvation. Uh, simply put. In Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians, I did, yes, I have got it marked somewhere. Here it is. This veil, you know, I saw the veil on the bride yesterday in the wedding up there, but the veil was removed when they did their kiss at the end of the ceremony. And one day, the veil that's over the Jewish people's head will be lifted and they'll receive their bride. And as it were, a spiritual kiss, you might say. <laughs> a spiritual life will happen and be brought back to life. And we read there in Second Corinthians, this happens in chapter 3, They're written there in verse 13, And not as Moses who put a veil over his face and the children of Israel could not see steadfastly, or they couldn't look upon him, to the end of that which is abolished, the glory that was in Moses' face after he'd received the Ten Commandments. His face shone. But their minds were blinded, for until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament. The veil is done away in Christ. <laughs> lift the veil, Jewish people, if you're listening. Lift the veil. See the Lord Jesus. He is the one that's come as your Messiah to save your soul. <laughs> but it's untaken away. It's still there. It is done away in Christ. Even unto this day when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. What did Moses write? What were they reading? First five books of the Old Testament. The Pentateuch, that they call it. And they, they read it and the veil is still on their face. They can't see what it's talking about and referring to the Lord Jesus in the future. Ah, the passage Isaiah 53, when it is read, well, they, don't, they, they won't read it. Because it's so obvious. It's speaking about the Lord Jesus. Take the veil off. Look at it. Well, praise God that it's through grace. We're saved. They're saved. They've stumbled. We've been saved. Pray that it be taken off. God's plan revolves around the graftings of God. I don't want to look at me, clock. <laughs> the time. Verse 11. Back in Romans chapter 11 and verse 11. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? 
God forbid, but rather through their fall, salvation has come to who? The Gentiles. In provoking them, the Jews, to jealousy. Now if the fall of them, the Jews, be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them, the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. The graftings. The reasons given in verse 11 to 15, because the people of Israel refused to come to Christ for salvation, the Lord's turned to another people. He's turned to the rest of the world, everybody that's not a Jew. He turned to the Gentiles and opened the door wide. And he's, he's, he's saying now what he said in the Gospels, Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The gospel, the doors have been flung open to all, everybody. And the Jews were keeping it exclusive for themselves. But the gospel is open for all. Um, <clears throat> the Lord has now set them aside. What does it say in John's Gospel, chapter 1? He came to his own. The Lord Jesus came to his own, the Jewish people, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. That's for everybody, isn't it? The gospel is for any and everybody that wants to believe. And so if there's a genuine thirst, if there's a desire for God, you can be saved. Uh, The Lord set them aside that he might reach out to us. Paul says that God has used the salvation of the Gentiles to provoke the Jews to jealousy. Verse 12 or verse 11. In the last part of that verse, we've been saved to provoke them to jealousy. (laughs) You go over and talk to an Orthodox Jew now and you talk about the Lord Jesus, they'll have nothing to do with it. (laughs) I want a bar to do with that. And, and, And if you talk... You say, you're a Christian, I'm trusting in your Messiah. You just infuriate them even more. And uh, you need to get out of there quickly. (laughs) Like Andrew has sometimes. I know early he's fled to his car, jumped in the car and they stabbed the tyres instead of him. That was way back early in his ministry in Israel. They're angry and they're provoked. They don't like it. That you, us guys, us Gentiles, have got what they could have had, but they refused it. You know, won't they wake up? If you'd believed it, Jewish people, you wouldn't be in the state you are. You wouldn't have been hunted and hounded all over the world. But you've refused it. And folks, if we Gentiles refuse it, it's going to happen to us. If we refuse salvation, what's going to happen to us? It tells us in these verses what's going to happen to us. And verse 15, the, the reaction, if the casting away of them, the Jews, be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? When they get right with God, you know, we think we've seen some great evangelistic efforts in the world over the last 2,000 years. We, we talk about the Reformation. You know, we talk about the Philadelphian church. When God had just bestowed a great but he gave an open door it says to the philadelphian church back 1800 1900 and the and world missions went everywhere if you think that's big and that was great wait until the jews turn back to jesus the world will never have seen a revival it's not happened yet it's still going to happen and we pray for that to happen we preach we send money to israel that it might happen that jews might get saved one day 
And there's 144,000 of them will and will evangelize. How much more their fullness, verse 12, and what shall be but life from the dead when they turn back and get right with their God. And the result in verse 16 and 17, so we're looking at God's plan revolves around the graftings of God. When they're grafted back in, what a blessing. We see the reason that Lord set them aside. We see the results of them coming back. And verse 16 and 17 we read, For if the first fruit, the Jewish nation, be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. If some of the branches, now it says some of, it didn't say all of, but if some of the branches were broken off, and they are being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them partakers of the root and fatness of the olive tree. As I think when I read these verses, I should bring a tree in. A tree of about three years old. You know, it's about that high. An apple tree. An apple tree is an easy one to do. And then cut a few of the branches off. That's what it says here. <laughs> and then get some apple. You know, this, this is a wild apple tree. The best rootstock is usually a wild a wild tree, you know, like a weed that grows and you can't kill it. You, a plum is good for that, for the plums. And if you have a plum tree, you can put nectarines and peaches on it too because they're of the same, whatever, generics, whatever they call it. But an apple tree, you can have a Granny Smith, you can have a Delicious, uh, a Pink Lady, uh, apple. Um, <laughs> what other apples do you buy in the supermarket? <laughs> Jonathan, what else? You know, you can have all of them on this one apple tree. You got six branches. You could have six apples. But <clears throat> and it was, it was good that the, the Lord gave me experience amongst the people that do this, driving the bulldozer around Jembrook and Emerald, Mombok and Cockatoo. That's what they do down there. <laughs> We're building the dams for them to water these trees, and they do it by the millions. I have five fellas in a paddock sitting on a little. Th- sitting on the ground or sitting on a little box and they move down the hill the trees are about that far apart they planted them three years ago either seed or slips and then they're they're grafting that's all they're doing they're just what this is talking about they're grafting other trees into that tree so that and then they sell them about the fourth year they have harvest time actually it it, um, comes there in the autumn and they have, and I've been there where they're doing all this and watching them. But they do millions and they have a big harvest that comes, it's got a big blade, goes down under the roots of the tree and cuts them and loosens them. There's about seven fellas around dragging all the trees, <coughs> bare rooted trees you buy from the supermarket, and they're bundling them up in bunches of ten, throwing them on a tractor, and they do it for weeks, the harvest time. Then they heal them in down at Mombok there, I know the paddock, and then they, then they deliver them to all the nurseries. And they got, they've been grafted. You buy a tree with all the different grafts in. Folks, we have been grafted as Gentiles into the rootstock of Israel. And the sum of the branches, the old ones, still growing. Some Jews are still are saved. <laughs> That's what he's saying here. So let's look through this or read through these verses here. As a result of the natural branches, Israel being broken off, the wild branch, the Gentiles have been grafted in. And we're, we have the privilege of being able to have a personal relationship with God like God wanted with Israel. But they refused it. They went their own religious way. 
Um, <clears throat> you know, back in Old Testament times, only Jews could access the things of God. Only they could go to the temple. They had the court of the Gentiles outside. We were outsiders. Sky News. <laughs> outsiders, yeah. They have a program, don't they? What are they saying? They're outside the regular reporters. They're saying things that other reporters don't say. We're outsiders. Well, Gentiles were the outsiders. We weren't allowed in. And if you as a Gentile were caught in the court, what did they do to you? What did the Jews do? That's what they did. You, you read the account when they thought Paul had taken Timothy, who they said was a Greek. He was half-half. But what, what did they do? They were going to kill him because he had taken a Gentile into the Jewish place of worship. We're outsiders. We're left outside. No access to God. No being able to pray to him. No being able to give sacrifice to him. They were stopped at the door of the temple. They were stopped at the temple steps, forbidden from entering the holy place. But now it's different. The Lord has opened it, and we can go into the very presence of God, into the holy of holies, as the Jews did, and pray, it says it in Hebrews. The veil has been rent, and we can have access to God personally, individually, as believer priest. Verse 18, I said we'd read on. <clears throat> boast not. Gentiles, don't boast against the branches. If thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. <laughs> Isn't that true? You kill a, kill a tree at the roots and the branches will die. Well, let's not boast against the root, the stock of Israel. So the taking of the root and fatness, we do. All of the Old Testament promises, promises and blessings and things and teachings and the New Testament, which were given by Jews, by God to Jews, for us. We are partakers of the root and fatness. Boasting against the branches is forbidden, as we just read in verse 18. Don't look down your sanctimonious nose at a disbelieving Jew. Feel sorry for them and pray for them. And that is the trouble with churches everywhere today. Churches that come out of the Reformation are now turning and saying the Jews have no hope, they're finished with, they're done, they're scrapped, there's nothing for God, from God for them. And that is as false as you can get it. In fact, some mainline churches, I'm going to name them Presbyterian. They might have had a Presbyterian background. But they teach divestments against Israel. They'll say, don't buy from Caterpillar, because Caterpillar have to do with the Jewish nation. This is, real, this is Christians trying to get back at the rootstock. And you shouldn't, maybe, John Deere, does that come from over there? I don't think so, that's from America. Caterpillar, you say American, yes, but Jewish people have a lot to do with it. I'll drive my caterpillar. <laughs> but, you know, and, and in the West Bank, any nation, any business there, churches are saying, don't buy from this company, SodaStream. SodaStream is a West Bank business. And, it, and, and the churches are saying, don't buy SodaStream. That's that thing you make your fizzy drinks from if you've got it at home. Because it's a Jewish thing. 
don't do it. That's wrong. You know, <clears throat> you're looking down your spiritual nose as a so-called Christian at a nation that has rejected the Lord Jesus. You say, serve them right, they crucified the Lord Jesus. No, our sin crucified the Lord Jesus. That put him on the tree. We're saved by grace through faith. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, take heed, church, lest you fall. Uh, <clears throat> divestments. Now, Luther did a great job, didn't he, in the Reformation? We are not from the Reformation. Baptists are not reformed churches. They never got come out because they weren't in. Brethren, the same. Waldensians, you can study church history. We're a stream that stayed that way and didn't go. Word in the Catholic Church didn't come out of the Catholic Church, therefore we are not reformers. We believe what they say, most of. But Luther, and I've said it before, Luther wrote up articles. He was for the Jew, then he was against the Jew. He was looking down his sanctimonious nose at the Jews, and then he preached against them. And who used some of his writings to do what they did in killing six million Jews? Adolf Hitler. <laughs> what was it? Adolf, yeah, Adolf Hitler. He used mean camp, was from a reformer called Luther, that's, and, and used that for an excuse to exterminate the Jew. You see, this is where this comes real, in real life. Boast not against the branches. If you boast, you don't, they, don't, you, they bear you, you don't bear them. That will say then, well, the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. We could boast and we could say that. This is human reasoning. Self-importance and exaltation is obnoxious to God. God will look at the man that has a broken and a contrite heart, not at someone that's looking down at somebody else. You say, wow, they were broken off that I might be put in. I'm more important than them. No, you're not. We're not. Be not high-minded, God said, but what? Fear. The explainings here are given. Unbelief is the issue. Don't be high-minded, but fear God. You stand by faith. Remember the Pharisee that went to the, the place of prayer? And he prayed with himself, saying, I thank God that I'm not like this man. You know, he's a wicked sinner. I know he's a crook. You know, he's, he's bad. And he said, I'm good. <laughs> That's what Gentiles who look down on the Jewish people who's given us the Bible and, their, and the Savior are doing. <clears throat> Here we might say the shoe is on the other foot. The Gentiles are looking down on Jews. In times past in the Old Testament, the Jews were looking down on the Gentiles. <laughs> You're dogs. That's what they were saying. And now Christians are saying that about them. Not on. It's not on. It shouldn't be so. We're all saved by grace, through faith. The heedings, verse 21, for if God spared not the natural branches, the Jewish people, he, he broke the nation, he broke them off, take heed lest he spare not thee, the heedings, the heedings we should heed, God can, can and will bring the church to an abrupt end one day. And we are failing, as the Jewish nation did, in doing what we've done to the Bible. The church is failing in, in a whole lot of areas. If, if the church was not failing in preaching the truth, the nations in the West would be totally different. 
we wouldn't have the threat of communism and the threat of socialism and the threat of all these different things happening to us if we had heeded the word of God and preached the word of God. The churches are failing. That's why things are going bad morally around the country. Church is not preaching it anymore. In fact, they're accepting it. The, the government votes on a moral issue and the church says, yeah, that's okay. And the church should be rising up saying it's not okay. That's not. We're doing what they did in failing to get the word out. Behold, therefore, verse 22, the goodness and severity of God on them who fell on the Jewish nation, severity, great punishment. But toward thee, toward Christians, goodness. If they are continuing his goodness, otherwise you will be cut off too. You'll be broken out of that olive tree. They also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in. Jews can be saved and, yes, will be saved. <laughs> For God is able to graft them in. What's that song? He's able, he's able. And someone else can sing the rest of it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Break out in song and you're not allowed to sing. <sighs> What's going on with our country? <laughs> graft them in. One day they will be. God is able <laughs> if they abide not still in unbelief. God has to. <laughs> For he covenanted with them that he will graft them in. And God is not a liar. He is able to graft them in. Now we get to the verse we're trying to get to all morning. Verse 25. We read, For I would not, brethren, Christians, that you be ignorant of this mystery, lest you be wise in your own conceits, that blindness is part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be coming. You want the Lord to come? You're looking for his coming? Well, stop sitting there saying, come, come, come. <laughs> Get out and, and witness for the Lord because the last one comes in to the church, then he'll come. So who knows who that is? Nobody, only the Lord. So we need to be about God's business, going out, telling people to come in, and get saved when the fullness of the Gentiles come in. Then it's harvest time. <clears throat> then it's harvest time. We'll close by looking at, and we've, we've got through half the sermon, but we'll close by looking at Revelation 14, <clears throat> verse 15. <clears throat> I started with this, I mentioned it, about harvest time. Get the header out. <clears throat> what else do you need to get out if you're a farmer? <clears throat> Dust off the header, get it all ready to go. I'm relying on you, Chris, for this here. Get the truck ready, okay? Clean out the truck. And the? The field bin. Get the field bin out, clean it out. Get all the weevils out of there. What else? Okay, get the silos. Get in the hot silo. Do it before it gets hot. And clean it all out. Mr. Dunn, you're, you're there too. <clears throat> what else? Make sure the auger's running. Yep, the auger, put it, put it up into the silos. Truck, auger. Anything else? Fire. I'll get the fire unit ready, yep. <laughs> in case there's a fire. Very urgent, get into it. Yep, get in. <laughs> that's right. And that's what I'm trying to say here. <laughs> Harvest time is just around the corner. It could be today. The fullness of the Gentiles could come today and the Lord Jesus will come and take all Christians to heaven. 
I was talking to my brother-in-law for two hours last night. But it was good. <laughs> we had it was one maybe that, not quite that long, but harvest time, and we talked about it. I said it's it, he. Every Christian that knows the Bible said it's very, very close. <laughs> Get the header out. Get the weevils out. Service the trunk. Yeah. The, oh, the chaser bin. You didn't talk about the chaser. I had that down. <laughs> the chase the header around the paddock and keep the header going. Um, <clears throat> all hands on deck when harvest time comes. And here in Revelation chapter 14 and verse 15, it says this. And another angel came out of the temple crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud. And he said, thrust in the header. Oh, oh sorry, sickle. <laughs> you see, in that time, they had a sickle. And what's a sickle? So, yeah, one of them. And remember last time I had this, I had uh, Glenn Shippard brought a sickle in from his farm. There's one of those things that go down with a handle like that that's got the big... Isn't that right? Is that right, Mr Dunn? That's a scythe. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you hold in one hand. Oh, that's that, like a... A curved blade that you hold in one hand. Okay. Yeah. It's the same shape as a... Yeah, it's curved. It's got a curve on it. And, and what do they use the scythe, scythe for? <laughs> well, everything had to be cut and then bound up into sheaves and taken to the threshing floor. Right. <laughs> and that was way back when you didn't have a header. And this is what it's talking about, isn't it? Yeah. Get this up, the sickle. Hey, hey, I'm Bible, you're... Mine says sickle. <laughs> but anyway, we won't argue about that point. <laughs> It's getting the harvest in. And this is what it's saying in, Gen in Romans eleven twenty five: The fullness of the Gentiles. It's harvest time. It's almost harvest time. We need to be going out and telling people to get saved. Well, us, showing them how to get saved. You can't, if you tell them, they usually say, forget it, mate. Inviting them to the Lord Jesus. Because harvest time is near. And here it talks about the sickle is thrust in. The time has come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. In about a month's time or so, the, the farmers will be out there a little bit and they'll be harvesting the, the bumper crop this year. And God's looking down from heaven and the crop is becoming a bumper. 180 years ago, there was only 1 billion people on planet earth. Today, there's climbing almost to 8 billion people. The harvest truly is great. But the Bible said the laborers are few. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he'd send forth laborers. Look, you say, well, I'm not the pastor. No, it's not the pastor's job only. It's everybody's job. You are in communities. You are in places. You are in workplaces that I can't get. You go there every day. You can put in the, sickle, put in the gospel. <laughs> Let the Lord do the harvesting. Paul said, I have sown, Apollos has watered, but God gives the increase to the seed that's sown. Harvest time, folks. And we'll finish the sermon next week, but it's harvest time, almost there. And it's ready to reap. And this is what I was sharing with my brother-in-law last night. There's people everywhere need the Lord. They don't know about him. Shame to the church that it that we're not getting out there and telling them.
The fullness of the Gentiles is about to come in. And after that, then it's all with the Jews. Back to the Jews. And what a harvest they'll bring. What, sh- what shall it be but life from the dead? You get 144,000 Apostle Pauls. One man without a radio, without a television, without a phone. Without any, any media, just his feet <laughs> and the word. He went all over the known world and shared the word. That's what the 144,000 saved Jews will do. Great harvest to come. But in the meantime, it's our, it's our job as Christians, as a church. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray that we would see the urgency of the hour. There's a laborers of you. The harvest is great. And the great reaper God is looking down and, and beseeching us to go into the highways and into the byways and, as it says, compel them to come in. Souls need to be saved that your house may be full and gatherings might come in. And Lord, I pray that we would harvest more souls before you come, that they might be saved from the wrath to come by salvation in the Lord Jesus. Bless us, challenge us, give us opportunities this week. Open doors for us, Lord. Let us be a Philadelphian church, a church of brotherly love that love our brothers and sisters in this world and also the, the people of the world love them to the Lord Jesus by sharing the gospel with them. Even when they threaten us and call us all sorts of names, may we still continue to do that. We ask and pray your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.